0: Welcome back to the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. But when I say we, you might notice a different voice, a new voice, actually the newest voice of the Romans Empire family, officially Andres Velasco, formerly of the Star Spangled Blues podcast. So we're extremely glad to have him on board. And this has been in the works for a while and we're glad it finally came to fruition. So if you're a fan of the pod, this is fantastic news for you because this guy's as knowledgeable as it gets for an American fan. Psalm's um, not with us this week, but he will be back next week for our first official pod as the new Romans Empire crew. So anyways, without further ado, that's enough of me talking. Andres, welcome officially, and how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. I would say as happy as uh, two goals in a week for Murata. happy.
0: Ooh, that's like a new level of happiness right there, one that we've never felt since uh, what April of last year, I think it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels like a year ago in the fall where he was hitting one like every week for us. So hey, I'm I'm cool with it.
0: Yeah, I am as well. Um, and and I've been, I mean, I guess we could just kind of talk about him in this VD match. We might as well. Um, so I mean, I, I I've been guilty of going on Twitter rants about Murata. I've never slated him. I've never called him any names. I've just simply said I don't think he's good enough for Chelsea. Um, But this past week, I mean, it seemed like he looks like he's a new player. So in the VD match, um, created a lot of opportunities, got very unlucky, uh, eight total shots, two of them on target, and uh, one goal, which was actually the game-winner um Willian with the ridiculous setup inside the six yard box I don't think there was any way Maratha could have missed that
1: I don't man yeah it would have taken a special talent to miss from that close he he finally slotted it a perfect flip uh off the front post from Willian and yeah it's I'm glad to see the guy score his uh celebration says everything you need to know about the guy he he was dying to get this goal and yeah, seeing him just go straight to William's shoulder. Who knows if he cried or not? But hey, I'm I'm glad he got that one off his chest.
0: A lot of people gave him shit for his reaction uh, after he scored the goal. It wasn't even a celebration. How he just kind of cried on William's shoulder. I don't understand why people are bothered about that. This is the guy's profession. This is what he does for a living. And when you're struggling at your job, you feel like you're letting people down. And murata has been through this whole roller coaster of emotions. Whether or not he's weak in the head or not you have to appreciate the fact that this means something to him. Um, That's what I was most uh, impressed by after he scored the goal. I thought it would have been one of those moments where he sprints to the corner flag as fast as he could and, you know, just does the most intense knee slide ever. It hadn't, it was none of that. It was just pure raw emotion. And you could really see that how much scoring that goal meant to him. I mean, it's just, it's, it's something that's so nice to see, especially after all this struggle since what last April. So, um good for Murata, and, and obviously he carried it on in the Southampton match but I mean we'll get to that in a second but I want to talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek really quick so I mean he got his first start finally um and he looked pretty good he played 66 minutes 40 of 43 passes completed uh two key passes in the process should have had a penalty arguably a goal Jeez. right before that yeah. um but I mean we all know he got taken off uh, due to match fitness um, but how do you think he did in his first start?
1: Uh, I think he came out with a point to prove. I mean, the guy tried coming back from England early, unlucky to have come back injured. He's he's trying to make his mark now. Uh, everyone is saying, oh, is he good enough? Oh, is he going to be gone in January? The guy obviously cares and wants to make it at Chelsea. I thought he came out with a purpose. All of his runs were fantastic. He was confident taking on players there's specifically a play where he being like the six three monsters somehow split two defenders to get through like you said should have earned a penalty so unlucky for him not to either get you know one of the key stats assist or goal because I, I thought he was fantastic while he was on the pitch
0: I mean we saw sorry make those comments um post match about him and he talked about how physically uh, and, and uh, physically Loftus-Cheek dominated the game and he when we were in possession uh, he was playing with a purpose and I thought that's something that really stood out because every time he got the ball he looked dangerous to be honest for much of the first half he looked like our most dangerous player arguably um, but you know again sorry, also reverted to the whole you know he's not tactically ready yet right. he's still a work in progress and I think I think that was noticeable as well I mean there was a couple times where he won the ball in the attacking third and we were able to continue play and 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 and, and continue possession continue attacking but there was other times where you can tell that he was out of position he's constantly looking over his shoulder making sure that you know he's in the right spot Um, and that's going to come with time I mean we my my thing is is that we've seen that same issue with Ross Barkley up until the Southampton match, actually. Right. I thought the Southampton match was the first game where he really looked like he was settled in. So no,
1: I completely agree. I think lost his cheek for for one. You're right. He has to still learn everything sorry wants him to do in every situation. And he has had like two injuries to start the season, which is extremely mm-hmm. unfortunate. One thing that I do think that naturally he's just good at is maintaining that possession. Uh, what he has to work out under Sari is is how quickly he distributes that ball once he receives it. So that that's the one thing I know he has over uh, Barkley, in my opinion. It's just the ability to maintain the ball. I feel like when pressured, Barkley may get kind of antsy and scared while, like you saw, Loftus-Cheek could dribble himself out of trouble or make a quick pass. It's mm-hmm. just about getting... The tactics right and I think not being called up for the international break this time around is going to be huge for his like immediate future at Chelsea because he gets two weeks with Sarri
0: yeah I was actually going to say the exact same thing you know the last time me and Sam alluded to it you know the fact that he's going on international break while hardly having any time to work with Sarri is more like him taking a break from international duty to play with us and now I feel like those roles kind of flip-flopped. So now he's a Chelsea player. He didn't get called for international break because of injury. I mean, it's obvious he didn't get he didn't he didn't get any game time, so why would he get called up? But now he has time to work with Sarri on the training pitch on exactly what he needs to do to fit into that system. And I think Loftus-Cheek can do it. You know, there's a lot of concern about about the way he plays tactically, and I don't understand where that concern comes from because most Chelsea fans have hardly seen any of him. Even when he was at Palace, it was hard to catch every single game. Um, so, I mean, at least stateside, that, that's the general feeling. So, you know, it's going to take time. It is a work in progress. Now, my question is, after the way Ross Barkley has been playing the last couple matches, it's going to be that much harder for Loftus-Cheek to get in. And I know um, when Sam hears this, he's, he's going to love it. But right now, Barkley is definitely – Ahead of Loftus Cheek for me in, in in the pecking order. If we if it came down to it and I had to pick an eleven, or uh, or, or if I had to pick an eleven actually to go out and win a match, um, it's kind of hard to make the case to put Ruben Loftus Cheek in over Ross Barkley at this point. What do you think?
1: No, I I actually completely agree. I think Sari has some sort of bromance with Ross Barkley too. Every time he talks about the guy, it's it's all about his professionalism and his natural talent and how he's still going to show so much more later on for Chelsea. So sorry sees something in him, and hopefully that comes good. Uh, in terms of Loftus-Cheek playing, I think it's only a matter of time uh, that he gets to play a little bit more. This past week against Didi, obviously there was a lot more rotation than the first uh, Europa League match and even against Liverpool. So I think we will see a lot of Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, Fabregas – midfield three and those midweek games. But like you said, when it comes to a Premier League match or, you know, semifinals of a League Cup, something that's got a lot of uh, weight behind it, I I can't see today Loftus-Cheek making it onto the pitch ahead of Barkley.
0: Yeah, I think that's key. You know, I, I, I definitely think fitness has a lot to do with it because he's, he is prone to getting injured. Um I'm not going to go ahead and use the American term injury prone because I don't think he is. I don't think you can be at that young without a major major injury. You know, most of the time it's been back niggles for him or 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 you know um you know pulling a hammy or something along those lines. He hasn't had a major major injury yet, so I think it's too early to call him injury prone. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter going out and saying, "Oh, well, Loftus Sheik is just going to get injured again," and I've seen people saying the same thing about Ross Barkley. But let me tell you something: Ross Barkley looks as fit as an ox, man. I I, I don't think he was this fit even in his Everton days, personally. Um, just he he looks bigger, he looks stronger. Um, and he looks confident in his own natural ability. And the same goes for Ruben Loftus Cheek. Even though he hasn't hit full fitness, just look at the way he dominated the midfield against VD. And the only way is up from here for me. Um, but I am interested to see, like you said, it'll be a Ross Barkley, Loftus Cheek, and Fabregas midfield trio when we start rotating the squad a little bit more. I'm kind of curious to see how that would work and who will take up the number eight role and who will take up the number 10 role in that system because we both know that. Uh, Loftus-Cheek and Barkley are very serviceable in the number 10 position, but when it comes to the number eight, we really don't know if Loftus-Cheek could fulfill that role because we don't really have a natural position for him, and we know Ross Barkley could deputize. I think it'd be interesting to see how Sarri would go about that without having a genuine engine slash workhorse in the midfield once the squad starts getting rotated, but I mean that's just something that's so exciting for the future because, I mean, think about it. We have two absolute physical specimen English midfielders who can barely who could hardly get game time. I mean that just shows how much depth our squad actually has. Um I wanna I want to move on really quick. Um I want to talk, talk about our bench. So no Callum Hudson adoy for the match. Um Ethan Ampedew on the bench, but didn't get it didn't uh, get a chance to go on the pitch. So I mean sorry seems to be pretty set in his ways in regards to the youngsters um it's clear that he trusts the older players um a little bit more but does it bother you that these guys can't get a run out and if so to what extent
1: yeah so definitely i'm annoyed that the youngest prospects who we keep hearing are the future superstars of chelsea can't get on the pitch uh obviously i put some blame on Sari for not you know letting them get a run out I also want to put some blame on the players that are on the pitch. We should not be only beating Vidi one nil or palk one nil like these are games that we should be easily putting away in the first half so that these young guys can get some easy minutes with zero to little to zero pressure. so step one yeah the club sorry and then the players themselves for kind of ruining the chance for these young guys. Um, I mentioned it to you guys. The other time, I think that there might be a little bit of a business move here where maybe Chelsea is telling Sorry that he needs to play Moses and Cahill ahead of January just to kind of add some value to some outgoing players. But, uh, I mean, only time will tell. I know Sorry said that, you know, early on to be patient with him and maybe he just wants to get his tactics all the way right before risking playing a youngster.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think – you hit the nail on the head. If we can't beat these pub sides that we're playing in the Europa League, because let's be honest, Vd and 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 Pauk were nothing short of pub sides. We're only we're only beating them one nil, um, and that goes down to the first team players that are on the pitch. There is absolutely no excuse as to why these teams should even be threatening us in the early stages stages of the competition. Whether sorry gives a shit about it or not, because that's a completely different argument. Um, I think it's a waste if if the club is looking at it as a business move. Um I, I think it's true. I think that's what exactly what they're doing with Moses and Cahill. Um I, I'm not as mad to see Cahill on the pitch just because um I don't think sorry would play Ampadu as a center back. I think he would use him as a as a midfield player personally. Um, but you know the the whole Victor Moses thing is the most irritating because we know that he doesn't really provide much um besides work rate. And uh, in, in games when we're lacking creativity, having a guy like Victor Moses on the field isn't going to help. Um, but having a guy like Callum Hudson-Odoi, who has a reputation for basically turning games on its head, um, would be a way better option. Um, but But you also have to look at, and I think, Andres, I think you were the one that said it last week, the managerial shelf life at Chelsea is so short that managers don't really have time to – to develop young players for two, three, four years and then slowly embed them into the first team the traditional way. Uh, our managers are only here a year and a half, two years now. If, so the managers, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they have to hit the ground running. And if the player's not good enough in training, then he's not going to get playing time. And obviously a 17-year-old isn't going to be good enough in training day in and day out um, to play with the first team. And that's why I think these opportunities are coming sparingly because maybe sorry is not a dumb guy, I mean he's probably looked at the at the last four or five managers that have been here and seen, whoa, I mean no one's been here longer than three years at a time, so um but yeah, I mean, it's something to look forward to Callum Hudson Adoy has the talent. I don't think that's the issue whatsoever, and same goes with Ampadu because Ampadu just kills it when he plays for the for the the Welsh national team um and, and and Callum Hudson-Odoi is already as decorated as it gets for a youth footballer so um total business move on the club's part get your shit together chelsea give them some sure. fucking playing time and make everybody way happier
1: um on a side quick side note on the coaching carousel um mm-hmm. i i don't know if it's because chelsea doesn't believe in projects or it's kind of the fact that surprisingly every new manager kind of hits the ground running and i know mm-hmm. that this discussion can lead to like 30 minutes but I mean, think about it. Mourinho in his first season got third place and competed for the title. Uh, his first season – the second time around, sorry. Uh, Conte comes in, wins the title the first season. Now Sarri's undefeated eight games in the league. Like, I feel like maybe the board just gets kind of just – they buy into the hype real quick. And then the moment one thing goes bad, they think that the sky is falling. But, again, that's beside the point. Let's move on to the the Southampton match.
0: Yeah. um, Let's get right into it. So, I mean, we had a starting 11 of Kepa and goal. uh, Alonzo and Dave as our outside backs. Um, In between them, Rudy and David Luiz. Midfield three, Jorginho, Conte. Kovacic just sits this one out. Ross Barkley steps in. uh, Willian on the right. Azard off the left and Giroud up top. So, I mean, let's start with Ross Barkley. Let's just get into it full on. Get it all out of our systems. Man of the match. Man of the match, hands down for me as well. Uh, 47 out of 50 passes completed. A goal and an assist. Two tackles, so the defensive side of the game. um, Southampton didn't really have too much of the ball. um, So I wouldn't look into that stat too, too much. But two tackles nonetheless. It shows that there is some work rate going on. And he finally got his goal. That's the main thing. Um, Is his new Chelsea career underway?
1: I think so. This is just the beginning. Uh, for, to touch back on the two tackles, Hey, two tackles, one of those tackles led directly to a goal. So, yep. um, it's, it's effect it's, he's being productive with the, the small chances he gets, I guess, um, in terms of his Chelsea career, the guy came off of an ACL injury when he signed with us in January. So I think he's just now finding confidence in himself and, and not kind of worrying about what, if his knee goes out, that sort of thing, he's got a manager, like I said, they, they have some sort of bromance going on. He fully has bought into Sari, and I think Sari from the beginning, even this summer, has kind of bought into what Barkley's like, ceiling is. So it's one of those things where because we don't know the future of Kovacic yet, if Barkley starts making these performances a constant, it might get to the point where we talk about Barkley being the starter over Kovacic just mm-hmm. in terms of a, a long-term investment. I think we haven't had – I also read somewhere it's the first time since since Lampard where a midfielder gets a goal and an assist for Chelsea. So it's a huge, huge deal to have him perform this way. And and I really hope that that this is only the beginning. You know,
0: you talk about the bromance between uh, Ross Barkley and, and Maurizio osari and, and there's also that bromance with Maurizio Ossari and David Luiz. I don't know if it's as much of a bromance as much as it is Chelsea finally having a manager that's willing to put his arm around players instead of completely scapegoating them like Mourinho and Conte did. Um, you know, I mean, all that nonsense last year of Conte saying, oh, my players aren't good enough. The squad isn't good enough. And then Mourinho, obviously, we don't even have to start talking about him. Just look at what he's doing at Man United right now. And that's exactly what was happening at Chelsea you know, four <laughs> or five years ago. So, um, you know, it, it's it's nice to have a manager that's willing to put his arm around a player and nurture him and give him repeated opportunities so he can make the mistakes and learn, just like Ross Barkley did. Let's not forget, the, his prior appearances this season, we've only seen him in bits and pieces playing well. He's never put together a cohesive, full match where he gave us everything, defensively and on the ball. Um, And I think this was the first time where we really saw Ross Barkley at his best or or nearing his best. And the great thing is this guy hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential because he's been injured for so long. And a lot of people like to forget, before his long injury layoff, Ross Barkley was one of, if not the brightest midfield English prospect. Um, So he's still young. What is he, 24 years old? I don't even think he's 25 yet.
1: Yeah, Um, he still has – a long future in football. Uh, another thing that I, I think it's key to point out is that I think sorry, picked the perfect game for him to start in the premier league. Yeah. Southampton is yet. They're just awful this year. I uh, said, is, is there a manager? Mark Hughes, this yeah. the former Stoke manager. I'm blanking out right now. You couldn't that's tell. Them, guys. I think they had
0: six yellows. That's yeah. that's as Mark Hughes as it gets.
1: Right. They, they, this is the perfect side for him to play. Uh, he gets a little bit more space he gets to kind of turn and go it played to his strengths which is only going to get him more confidence and i mean the guy showed that you know if if he's given the space he's going to take it so uh the only thing i'm waiting for now is that kind of long long driven shot of his hitting he took a couple of chances from outside outside the box that just kind of went straight to the keeper but it's only a matter of time
0: i mean i thought i think we're also starting to see him simplify his game um it looked like he was overcomplicating things earlier on this season. You know, he he'd, he'd kind of always go for that extravagant th- that extravagant play, always to look for, you know, he he'd always to use an American term, he always used to try to hit home runs instead of getting a couple base hits and 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 slowly building something. And I think in this game he was picking out the easy passes. He was moving the ball. Um he wasn't he wasn't lingering on it too much. I don't even think he had a completed dribble, an official completed dribble in the game. And that tells you everything you need to know. All of his movement and all of his positions, he's taking up off the ball and getting himself into positions where his teammates could feed him in dangerous areas. And besides that, we're also seeing him being very effective on set pieces um, I, against Liverpool. It was his header that Mignolet had to def- that that Mignolet fluffed and uh, Emerson poked in uh, against Liverpool. and Now you look at this game. He got on the end of Ollie Giroud's bicycle kick. And it's – by the way, Giroud did not mean to pass that, did he? (sighs) Not a chance. Every time I watch it in slow-mo, it scuffs off of his toe. So there's – he just missed it. Not a
1: chance. Not a chance. But I mean for Giroud at 30-plus years old to attempt that and get some good contact on that, props to him. I, yeah. I still can't believe he went for it. I I thought that was only like a FIFA kind of thing. So good for him. Gets an assist that he didn't really mean to. And I and like you said, more uh, Barkley's presence in the box has been Lampard esque. We haven't had a midfielder yeah. who has that kind of like instinct. And in, in two games where we got a goal off of a set piece buildup, Barkley was involved. So
0: I mean, and that's something that we really haven't seen from Loftus Cheek. And I know I said earlier we haven't really seen him play much, but we haven't seen him be a threat aerially, um, and and, and a threat in the box nonetheless, besides, you know, the the, the two penalty shouts against V D. But but Ross Barkley definitely seems up for it on set pieces. He's always in the right place at the right time. And going back to Giroud's kick, it was one of those classic cases of just kind of put it in the mixer and see what happens. And I think if Giroud got any contact on that, the ball was gonna wind up in the same area anyways for someone else to tap in. Um but besides that, it's just a great goal, and right in front of the Chelsea fans, the roar from the Chelsea fans, by the way. So I mean, we here in the U.S. we watch it on NBC Sports. I don't think I've ever heard a louder Chelsea away support than a Southampton game. Between uh, that, Ross Barkley's goal, and between Murata's goal, um, it just fantastic support. It was awesome to see. Or no, here, for
1: sure, so. the 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 away the away supporters recently, I think even last season have been amazing, like even in the worst games, uh, I would always notice that we were like our fans were louder than the home fans. So yeah, props to them. And, and Barkley got to celebrate with them. He he obviously had fun celebrating. So yeah, no, I think that was awesome. I, I think we also need to touch base on the fact that Morata came on and actually played decent as a substitute.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just get right into it i mean uh, Murata g comes on as a sub um constantly got himself into positions, created passing lanes and he, he uh he did that against v d and he did the same thing against Southampton, so his goal came off of a thirty one pass build up now you heard that right thirty one as in three one Premier two digit record yep, and it was a thing of beauty um not gonna lie i I rewatched the match last night before I went to bed and I must have rewound that whole sequence about three or four times just to count up the passes and I, I kept losing count after twenty. Um but God, what a that is sorry ball in motion. I mean I that is the absolute epitome of of sorry ball, isn't
1: it? Oh definitely. I can't wait to see that every single weekend. Like the fact that we're even seeing it this early in the season is amazing. And it was to, like you said, not only were the passes typical, sorry, ball, it was the fact that the ball moved from the right side backwards to the middle to the left side and it stayed in the left side like sorry likes to focus his attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I do want to point out is that. Hazard could have taken it on his own to score, but he was extremely unselfish, and you can tell he wanted Morata to score. Like he did everything he could to get that ball to him, and I'm glad he he could pull uh, put that away after missing a similar chance just minutes beforehand.
0: Yeah, you know, and and uh, what about the finish? That's as that's as instinctual of a striker finish as you could get, isn't it? I mean, goalkeeper rushing at you you hardly I don't even think he got a touch on the ball beforehand I think he just ran onto it and scooped it right over him but that window that he had to squeeze the ball through because the goalie had one arm up sprawled out I mean that's just a great great strikers finish and Morata does look more confident I'm not gonna lie and I'm just kind of bummed that it happened at the end of the game and not, you know, right after he came on because I would have liked to see how he continued the rest of the match to see if he would get more assertive, maybe get involved a little bit more in interplay or drop in or drift out wide. I'm just curious to see because it's been so long since we've seen a Murata in form. Um, so, you know, you just kind of want to see what positions he'll take up and what and and how he'll take advantage of the sorry ball system because we haven't seen him in form with sorry ball yet. Um But again, we talked about it, me and Sam, before on this podcast. And Andres, I think you'd agree with me. If you look at his characteristics, um, prior to this season and you just took a look, a list of his characteristics and looked at it and said, and thought to yourself, does this list, um, will it fit in with what Sari's trying to do at Chelsea? Is this, is this the ideal striker for him? And my instinct is, yeah. I think the stuff Murata is good at fits perfectly with sorry ball.
1: Yeah. So, so in my opinion, I think once he gets a little bit more of a goal count under his belt, it's going to come more naturally to him. I think he gets, if there's a player that runs on confidence, the most out of anyone, it's Murata. And I think once he gets those kind of goals in, he'll start to well stop actually to overthink every time he has the ball or every run he makes and it'll be just like you said go down to the instinct. He missed that first shot, shot earlier trying to go front post and then the second time he's like you know what I tried getting under the keeper got in quick I'm just going to dink it over and mm-hmm. it worked. So I I just hope he can get a few more goals in his in his uh, next appearances cuz once he figures it out mentally I I think it's just going to come like I said more naturally. It'll be instead of forcing a shot finding Hazard across the box or a drop back to Kovacic or Barkley it's going to come I'm more Mm -hmm. of a a team mentality rather than like I need to get this goal because every time I even log into social media, people are talking shit like he he, just getting these two goals in one week is huge. Hope the international break he can actually get some decent game time rather than be benched or not even selected for both games for Spain Mm -hmm. just so that he can kind of keep it going and be ready to go for Man United uh, after the international break.
0: That's another interesting one. Now that you got Murata, two goals and two, and then you got a guy like Giroud who's just a human wall pass, um, who do you start against Man U going into the Man U match? Because if I'm looking at it, we all know Mourinho's going to sit in, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I think this is just something that is going to have to look at and say, hey, I got a striker who's in form. He may not fit this particular match because Mourinho's going to sit behind the ball. There's not going to be much space in behind um or I could go with, you know, the the trustee veteran who's probably not gonna score, but who's gonna who's gonna elevate in Hazard's game. Um but before we get on to the menu game, I, I, there's still a few points I want to talk about with Southampton. So I mean let's talk about the defense. Um you know, Rudiger and Louise looked more solid at the back. Um Rudiger obviously hobbled off at the end of the game. It looked like a groin injury to me. Um, you know, if someone, one of our listeners could clarify if, you know, uh, if o came out on injury, but, uh, yeah, it looked like he was grabbing his groin. Uh, doesn't look good. He dropped out of the Germany squad. So let's hope that he's back, uh, in time for the man U match. And then Dobby Louise was also hobbling a bit in the first half, but, uh, finished out the game himself. So, I mean, we're still struggling defensively. And when I say defensively, I don't mean our back four because they've been playing pretty well as of late. Um. I'm talking about the whole team because this is how Sarri plays defense. It's it, it's definitely a team thing uh, more so than Conte who was more – his defense was more uh, organized into sections. So he had his back three, he had his middle five, and he had his front three, and they all shifted accordingly. Whereas Maurizio Sarri, it's a lot more uniformed, and the whole team is kind of tailored towards the same idea as opposed to Conte who was more like let's just form – you know, this block of five or this block of four and a block of three and nobody will get past them. We'll only press with our front players. Right. Um, But, you know, is this something that's worrying? Because we allowed nine shots on target. Southampton's only scored six goals on season. So nine shots on target. Two of them were absolute sitters. Ings and Bertrand should have (laughs) scored. Is this something that worries you?
1: Um, A little bit. Uh, It's kind of scary to say that the person that worries me the most is actually Dave Aspilicueta on the right. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how defense has been played under Sari versus previously with Conte and Mourinho. And Sari plays this sort of defense where he tells his players to not worry about the actual player, but just everyone needs to be aware of where the ball is at and plays themselves according to that. And I think that is actually taking away Aspoliqueta's biggest strength, which is 1v1 defending. And maybe that's why we've kind of seen him be caught out of position uh, and essentially be kind of more exposed because the fact that Bertrand was the one getting most of the chances that means that it was on Aspie's side of the field. So I I'm surprised of I think that also plays on the other end of the uh, spectrum. Alonzo's performance is only getting better is because he's not worried about you know if when we're playing Liverpool he's not worried about sitting in front of Salah he's worried about the ball so. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Aspi can kind of figure it out. But, yeah, uh, he's getting caught out of position, which is leaving us open to those counters to teams that shouldn't even be getting near our box. So, uh, so far, I think the smaller sides, surprisingly, are the ones that can uh, capitalize better because against Liverpool, I didn't really see that. So I don't know. I
0: mean, it's. I, I think the interesting thing is, if Rudiger's out for a long time, who do we count on? Um, because Andreas Christensen's been low on confidence. I mean, that's another player who's extremely low on confidence, um, still. And you got Gary Cahill, who's you know the trusty veteran. Who a lot of Chelsea fans on Twitter will disagree with me when I say trusty, but he <laughs> he's trusty. <laughs> he's as he's actually as trusty as it gets. You know exactly what you're going to get from him every match. Um, but you know going back to the to the defensive issues you know we do defend as a team and i see a lot of our defensive issues are actually coming from the middle i don't mm-hmm. think georginios as mobile as a lot of people make him out to be um i think he's more a victim of you know the the same uh footballing iq that john terry had where you know he's not the most athletic player he is not the the, the fastest he's not the strongest or the tallest but he's so good at positioning himself and predicting where the run of play is going to end up um, that that he gets himself into those positions. And a lot of times in in this game where we would lose the ball, Jorginho would struggle to get back. Um, and that's Conte's wheelhouse, you know, to kind of step in and, and and clog up the midfield. But when Southampton was in possession, they were overloading one side, so Conte couldn't fully commit to uh to one flank or the other. He kind of had to stay central because that weak side always had runners. Uh, uh, Cedric Suarez and Bertrand did a really, really good job getting up and down the field playing as wingbacks. And that caused us a lot of problems. Maybe it had something to do with the system, now that I'm thinking about it. though, I mean, I'm curious to get your take. They played a 3-4-3. So obviously they have more bodies in the midfield. Could that have been a possible issue?
1: They were higher up the pitch, so maybe that's what happened. You know, the fact that, when you clog up the midfield, if they even got a whiff of the ball there, they're already moving forward with uh, – they played five in the back with seven guys. So, so maybe where like getting outnumbered and starting those counterattacks came from. Uh, I know that sorry mentioned he was prepared to play a back five, but maybe he didn't realize that those two wingbacks were going to be so far forward. I'm sure mm-hmm. he'll adjust, but usually when we – see a back five people are parking the bus they're not pressuring as high up as Bertrand and Suarez were so uh yeah hopefully it's a a learning opportunity for him that you know when people line up with those wingbacks it's not always going to be a park the bus kind of situation because on the other end of the spectrum I thought we were able to break down that back five a little easier than we usually do so Mm -hmm. it works both ways so defensively it hurt us but offensively it helped us so
0: I thought it helped us break them down uh, um, when they were in possession. I mean, you go back to the Ross Barkley tackle that, that led to Hazard's goal. That was just a result of them only playing with two central midfield pivots and us playing with three. Um, you know, we were able to press them higher up the field and win the ball in those areas. But the problem is when the ball goes out wide, you know, you alluded to Aspe being the sort of weak link, quote unquote, um, for the – last few games and I think we saw it because when the ball gets sprung out wide we don't have the most athletic uh, outside backs um, sure they could get up and down the field but are they quickest are they the fastest and then you compare them to Cedric Suarez and Bertrand who are just full of pace um, and, and are very direct and that's that's exactly what causes us all these problems in this game so how are we going to stop that it still remains to be seen I'm curious to see what Sari could do because so far all we've seen was Sarri fix some of the uh uh offensive issues in terms of the system and the tempo and how fast the ball's moving and and players finding the passes and overloading the spaces that he wants but now he's going to have to focus on a defensive side and I think this is the real test to see if sarri is a world class manager or not because you can't have it one way or another I mean even pep uh is is good defensively you know you look at the best attacking managers in the world they all have Pretty solid defensive records, I mean, besides the odd one or two. So um, I think this will decide what type of manager Sarri is. Before we get into the next section, let's just – quick word on Kepa. Two ridiculous, ridiculous saves. I mean the one on Redmond's (laughs) shot was – that was nuts, man. And a lot of people saying Courtois would have stopped that. He's just as tall. I said this last week. Courtois is not half as athletic as Keppa is. I, I just what what do you think? How high is Kepa ceiling for you based on what we've seen?
1: Yeah, I think it's extremely high. Obviously, I would love for him to be maybe two inches taller. But the fact that that guy's got cat like reflexes, uh, half the shots that he's somehow stopped low are going in on Thibaut Courtois. And, you know, I'm I'm. I hate to be a huge hater because I was supporting him when he was our our player, but just look at him at Madrid now. The he's getting scored on on those low ones. Yes, one off rips from outside the box that are going high may beat Kepa once in a while, but that was the Redmond shot is the one that was moving left and right, like it was knuckling the whole way there, and he was able to to react to it nonetheless. So I think he's got. I think Kepa at this moment is not as good as Tebow, but the fact that we paid so much and we have a long-term investment on him, I think Kepa can take over as the best keeper in the league three years down the line, um, passing up to if Hea if he keeps it up. I mean, the guy's ridiculous. Old I know, words. hot take, hot take. Yeah,
0: but. very hot take, but you know what? I completely agree with you because I was about to say something very similar to that. His reflexes and how quick he is off of his line, um, it's very reminiscent of a lot of the top goalkeepers in modern history i mean you look at iker casillas not a big goalkeeper whatsoever i think he's actually might even be a, sh- a little shorter than kepa um but again ridiculous reflexes and you look at david de gea he's not the most uh, obviously he's a little bigger than kepa but he's not the most physically dominant goalkeeper it's his reflexes and his ability to get off of his line or to 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 dive at awkward angles or to get down to the ground you know that split second faster than those Manuel Neuer's of the world, or the the Jan Oblak, who are you know big, tall, physically dominant goalkeepers, but can't get down as much. Uh, like Thibaut Courtois, like we talking about. I mean, he got Messi meg twice from freaking 45 degree angle. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, based on what we've seen, this guy has every single attribute that you want in a goalkeeper besides the size, and I think that's enough to make him the best goalkeeper in a Premier League at this day and age. Some of the saves he makes it, are just astounding, and you look at the confidence and how he's growing in stature as games go on, and I think that's a more important thing. I touched on it last week. His ability to talk and organize defenses is something that we haven't seen since Peter Check, because Courtois wasn't very vocal, um, and, and, and we're seeing Kepa be a lot more vocal with his defenders. The communication is there. Um, so that's just something to look forward to as the season goes on. How will he develop? And if he'll, if he maintains this run of form that he's in right now, there's no question that by the end of the season, he'll be in the conversation for top three goalkeepers in the league. Um, but I mean, let's move on to part three. So I mean, this, we used to call this a speed round, but me and Som kind of decided that that name was very, uh, lazy. So we're calling it the quick thoughts portion, a little less lazy. It took us uh, about five more seconds to think about that one. So um, you guys know how it goes. Uh, We're just going to say a a little piece of news or a quote or a question, whatever it may be, and uh, we're going to give you our quick thoughts on it in about 30 seconds or less. So uh, let's start with Mason Mount, called up to the England squad for the first time. Uh, Southgate knows him from from the youth teams. I think he trained with the England squad before the World Cup as well. Andres, what do you think about this?
1: Completely deserved and earned. I'm hoping that he can actually get some minutes, not just train with the senior squad, but yeah, Chelsea, take notice.
0: Yeah, Andres, I completely uh, have to agree with you. I think this is this is so well deserved on every level. And I think he's actually created the most chances in a championship this year, um, which is definitely notable considering the kid's only nineteen years old. My Wouldn't only concern surprise me. I mean, my, my my main concern is they also called up James Madison, uh, who's been playing really well for Leicester, um, and he's young, and he, and he's a bright talent as well, and I just think that Southgate might give him the chance because of the Premier League experience, um, but either way, congratulations, Mason Mount, finally getting called up, the first of many, um, let's move on, so Eden Hazard had some interesting quotes this week, uh, at least uh, th- that's how some people took him. Um, but Andres, I'm going to read you the quote. Just tell me what you think. Um, Eden Hazard said, quote, I'll tell you the truth. After the world cup, I wanted to leave. It's my dream to play in Spain. I wish I could stay at Chelsea for the rest of my career, but there's also the possibility that I could leave in a year or two, but I love Chelsea and the city. It will be easy to stay at Chelsea. This club is now a part of my life. So, I mean, obviously some fans are outraged by the comments, me personally, This is just the same uh, stuff we've been hearing for the last two or three years. Andres, what do you think?
1: Consistency. I mean, Hazard hasn't changed his story ever. He was, I mean, when you were a young kid, I mean, Hazard's what, like three, four years older than us. Madrid has always been the highest, like most well-known club in the world. Of course, as a young soccer player, you think, you know, I would love to play for them. So yes, I wish I could be a millionaire, but hey, guess what? I might never reach that goal. Kurt like I just like he said, he loves the club, he loves the city. He also part of the quote said, like this club has given everything to me. Like I would not leave this club in bad terms. So I I think he's he's fine. I, I don't see this as a concern. I think for one, uh now that he's under an offensive manager, I think slowly but surely things might change, but I, I'm not worried. I, I think he's just being blatantly honest and and I don't think there's an issue with that
0: yeah I have nothing to add I completely agree with that I think people are overreacting um but one thing that I actually I think I'm overreacting because I do have some hope that this will happen Antonio Conte to Real Madrid so what better way for Eden Hazard to fulfill his lifelong dream <laughs> than to be reunited with the manager that uh oof, that did not know how the fuck to use him basically um sure. so yeah what do you think
1: uh, this could be a dream scenario. If there's anything that can just smush the Madrid rumors outright, is is Conte landing the job at Madrid. Uh, there's also, you know, if Conte doesn't go and they do fire Lopetegui, if Mourinho's available, he, he may return to Madrid. So either way, Lopetegui getting the axe soon could only benefit Chelsea keeping Hazard. So whether it's Conte or Mourinho... Go ahead, Madrid. Get one of the two guys. I'm sure they'll turn the ship around and you'll win a bunch of 1-0 games and, and maybe get a trophy, but that only helps Hazard stay in London.
0: Yeah, Real Madrid's in uh, in pretty deep shit this year. I mean, it's interesting because I think, I think Zidane left because he knew that there was going to be this whole complete rebuild of the club and that the club was going to need it. And I think he knew that Florentino Perez was all talk this summer um i mean how many different players were they linked with for god's sake uh but but it's nothing unusual
1: um they're also going to be working on their stadium so you know that that might have played a part on it and and Mm -hmm. the other thing one more thing on the madrid hazard situation let's be real madrid is a a business as well as a soccer team and they go hand in hand if you tell me that madrid isn't going to try to sign 19 year old killing mbappe world champion killing mbappe Ballon d'Or nominee, Kylian Mbappé, over Hazard, who's already approaching his 30s, you don't know anything about uh, marketing and commercial value. Like Madrid is going to go for the Galactico, and right now that is Kylian Mbappé.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they signed Mariano, for God's sakes. Anyways, that wasn't a funny joke, but sarcastic. <laughs> Mariano's actually actually uh, not as great as a lot of people think he is. But um, that's my opinion. But I know this is something that we'll both agree on. It's something that we're both uh, – something that's bittersweet because, I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, but we know that there's a possibility the men could return to the club. John Terry, captain, leader, legend, officially retiring from football. Um So just a couple quick career highlights. Uh, 492 total Premier League appearances, 717 total Chelsea appearances, only – uh I think Chopper Harris and Peter Bonetti have more. And then he got 41 uh, career goals, a top goal-scoring defender in Premier League history, 15 major trophies, five Premier Leagues, five FA Cups, a Champions League, a Europa League, and three League Cups. I think he is the greatest Chelsea player to ever put on the shirt. I think he's the greatest center, English center back to ever play. Um, And this guy has been my idol <sighs> for as long as I could remember, since I started watching Chelsea. Um, Andres, do you, anything you want to add about JT? And do you think he's the greatest Chelsea player of all time? Because there really is no bad answer to this question.
1: Right. Uh, I think he's the greatest captain of all time, club captain. and I, And I want to throw this out like – maybe alongside Puyol, maybe Casillas and that's it like those are the three guys that I can completely associate with just one club. I still think Lampard is our greatest player of all time. That's just my opinion, but John Terry, Mr. Chelsea, like the guy bled blue, like there's if you can think of it, anything that you think of him as a person outside the pitch whatever, but when he was wearing that Chelsea crest and he, when he was representing the club, there was nobody better. He w- was just like like his little slogan captain leader legend there's no more to it all the tributes that are going up online right now from the young players former coaches opposing sides are giving tributes right now that's the kind of player that he was he made a difference he and the other thing is you're never going to find a better goal scoring defender out there like the man had more career club goals than midfielders like iniesta for god's sake like if you were looking at a corner and he was in the pitch, you knew Terry was going to find a way of getting that in the back of the net. And uh, look, I'm really looking forward to having him back at the club. The rumors are true of him picking up one of the youth sides. And, and yeah, props to him. What an amazing career. And uh, he's just kind of like on a pedestal now. Any sort of Chelsea defender that comes in knows that they've got Terry's legacy ahead of them.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean uh, – yeah, I mean <sighs> – Frank Lampard's a great shout, but for me, it, John Terry just has this special place in my heart because, I mean, as a center back, I, I always used to watch him and think to myself, hey, this guy's not the most athletic or the fastest either, just like I was as a player. Maybe I could learn a thing or two from him, and that's actually when I really started watching Chelsea and focusing in on it. Uh, it was the allure of you know, that spine that we had you know, the defensive spine with John Terry and and Carvalho. And then you had the midfield with Frank Lampard and and Michael Essian and the forward with DDA Drogba. And it was just that spine. Those players are probably four of my top five favorite players of all time just because of how defensively solid that team was. And a big part of it was John Terry. And I just remember watching him and learning so much. So Anyways, that's enough of me uh, going on about John Terry. Nobody wants to hear anymore. Um, Chelsea versus Man United after the boring ass international break. Uh, yes, it's back, and uh, these are the this is like the worst time of year because we're gonna start getting these like every couple of weeks and just a pain in the ass. But uh, Man United, I mean, Mourinho's doing the top five a favor this season, isn't he, by uh, <laughs> turning United into a shambolic attempt of make parking the bus great again. Um, you know, they sit in eighth <laughs> place, 13 points, they conceded 14 goals and only scored 13, um, which is pathetic considering a club of that stature, um, you know, in, is in that position. But, you know, they did beat Newcastle, uh, last weekend after going 2-0 down at home. That should be a boost to their confidence for whatever that's worth. But I mean, <laughs> I, after everything I've given you, what, what do we need to do to win? Show up.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, the thing, the fact of the matter is that Old Trafford right now doesn't mean anything. It doesn't scare me. Newcastle came in and scored twice in ten minutes. Like that—that's just ridiculous. And they, haven't,
0: they haven't scored more than one goal in any other game this season. That was the first game where they scored one one more than one goal.
1: Geez, I didn't know that, but yeah, there's your stat of the, of the match, like. For one, they're going to do exactly what Southampton did, and they're going to rotate who gets the next yellow card because that's exactly yeah. what Mourinho has done the last, what, four or five Under times? Herrera is sharpening
0: blade. his blades already. <laughs> yeah.
1: Herrera, McTominay maybe. Uh, maybe he'll unleash Pereira to do the Herrera role last time. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we'll be okay. I, I'm surprisingly not worried. Of course, they have individual players that can turn up any weekend, but – The thing, the difference is that we're not Newcastle, and we know how to like. Sorry, he's gonna go for the jugular. So if we do get a two goal lead, it's not like we're just gonna shut it down, park the bus. Like Mm -hmm. we're gonna keep our high press. We're gonna keep trying to like kill them, kill the clock with passing, with purpose, of course. And for there's there's multiple reasons for our players to show up to this. Uh, you got Hazard, who's you know. Mourinho is part of the reason that he had that awful, was it 15, 16 season mm-hmm. that everybody loves to point out. Uh, I don't know if Willian is still trying to play for a spot at United, but maybe that'll give him a little bit motivation. Kovacic might have a a little bit of, of something there from the Real Madrid days. I don't know. The point is that if you can't turn up for a Man United game as a Chelsea player, then you shouldn't be on the pitch. I, I think we should come out with three points.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think the key here is is just cutting off the supply line and we'll be fine. And that's Paul Pogba. Everything goes through him. Um, even even the interplay uh, with the wingers goes through Paul Pogba. Um, and I think Mourinho was even quoted, you know, when he first signed with United, um, saying something along the lines of Pogba's even good enough to play center back. Um, yeah, which is something that Mourinho would totally say. But we saw it against Newcastle when I was watching the match. I noticed that when he brought Mata on in the second half, he actually dropped Pogba uh, Pogba back um, in between Smalling and I forget who was playing as the other center half. But Pogba would just kind of sit there and facilitate um, and and ping long balls everywhere. And I think that's exactly what he's going to try to do against us. He's going to pack it in. He's going to make sure that when they win possession, Pogba's going to be central. And he's going to be the player, that outlet that the players have to go to to play a long ball over the top. I could totally see Mourinho just playing full smash mouth football. Let's ping the ball over the top. Lukaku will bundle over David Luiz and 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 hopefully we'll make a goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you could cut off Pugba, you should be fine. Scoring more than one goal is imperative because I don't think United will score more than one against us anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, why don't we just get into the predictions? Andres, I know you said three points. Uh, give me a score and give me, give me a bold take.
1: All right. I think that long ball merchants man united will score and i think it will come late whenever they put in fellaini just to start you know <laughs> bombarding balls in but i'm going to say 2-1 mm. and my bold prediction is going to be that we'll finally score off a corner kick.
0: Oh, see i like that cuz our corners have been absolutely shit lately. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of my
1: biggest pet peeves
0: is when a corner can't get past the first man. You're you're a fucking professional footballer. There's no way you can't ping that ball in consistently. Anyways, um, I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. I think the Newcastle match was a fluke. I think it's less of a testament to Man United's ability to win matches and more of a reflection of how shit Newcastle is. Um, So I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. I think Pedro gets the opener in this one. Um, Three more points in the bag and by christmas time Reno will be uh sent packing um any final thoughts i mean on 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 anything that we've touched on um i know we're reaching the end of the podcast now so um
1: yeah um i think another potentially bold prediction and this i think we can kind of we you mentioned it earlier maybe morata starting over Giroud, even mm. though that we expect united to park the bus Uh, Maybe just as a kind of like a confidence showing on Sar's part for Morata. But uh, apart from that, I'm 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 hoping Mourinho can stay a little bit longer just to to continue to see United's fall from grace. And uh, hey, I'm enjoying what Chelsea's doing. We're still undefeated. Uh, Things are looking good. Players are finally clicking. It's been a fun season so far, and I only expect it to get better.
0: You know I know Hazard said he's done knee sliding but wouldn't it be great if he scored a goal and just ran all the way over to Mourinho's technical <laughs> area and just knee slid all the way across with middle fingers up like <laughs> as he's going by I feel that like that'd be
1: the would best Would be thing. nuts. It would be nuts. I would expect that more from maybe like a Slatan or a Diego Costa but <laughs> I'm it would make <laughs> think, quite the clip. It would be as as crazy of an ending as the mcgregor khabib fight
0: oh my god don't even get me started on that <laughs> uh who are you going for
1: i i kind of like the whole mcgregor villainy kind of thing yeah, i just too. think it's great entertainment but uh he's already calling for a rematch so
0: yep khabib's a hell of a fighter i mean man. Un-
1: completely undefeated there's, so props to him
0: yeah i mean there, there there's there's no way when that guy gets on top of you and and, and has you locked up, there's no way you're wriggling out of it. But anyways, nobody wants to hear us talk about UFC because I, I I'm an amateur at best when it comes to that. Nice two of us. But uh, yeah, I mean that brings us to the end of the episode. First official episode, uh, with Andres as a Roman's Empire member. Um, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, hey,
1: not too shabby, huh?
0: We're not a we're 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 not celebrities by any stretch, but you know, it's finally cool to bring in a third. And like I said, it's been in the works for a while. We've been talking about it. Um, and, and, you know, if you're a fan of the podcast, just look for a lot of new content. Um, you know, we're going to try and branch out into other forms of media sometime soon. So, you know, this is going to be a great first step, bringing in a third person who's just as, if not more knowledgeable than I am about the club. So, uh, yeah, Andres, thanks again, bud. And, uh, until next week, Keep the no, blue flag flying week. high.
1: next week. We got 14
0: days. Oh, two weeks. Two
1: weeks. Sadly, sadly.
0: And in two weeks, uh, until two weeks, keep the blue flag <laughs> flying high. There we go. I fucked that one up so bad. But yeah, see you guys <laughs> in two weeks.